All right, here we go. Let's get started. Let's get started. Let's quiet down. We're starting our we're starting our first lesson. We're going to go a little bit out of order, but we are talking about we're going to do a four-part series about the book of Corinthians, about the book of 1 Corinthians. Um, but basically, we're just going to be doing uh, key topics in the book of Corinthians. So things that are, it's all important, but things that have particular interest to us as Christians, as apostolics, as young people. And there is a topic in 1 Corinthians that is touched on in a few other places in Scripture, but 1 Corinthians deals with it probably the most next to Jesus Himself. And that is the topic of the, the resurrection, right? The resurrection. Now, I'm not talking about the resurrection of Jesus, right? That's all throughout Scripture. I'm talking about your resurrection, okay? That's what I'm talking about today, your resurrection. Now, when I say your, we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 15, so you can turn there if you have your Bibles. But what I'm, I'm not talking about Brother Gavin, your your spiritual resurrection. I'm not talking about some sort of like you had a bad attitude and then God rises, raises your good attitude from the dead, right? And all of a sudden you do better. That's a part of Christianity. That's but I'm not talking about that this morning. I'm talking about your bodily resurrection. Because this is a basic Christian doctrine that we all will rise from the dead. That this is not the end of life. That every person, whether you live for God or not, will rise from the dead. That's what 1 Corinthians chapter 15 teaches. That there is such a thing as the resurrection from the dead. And that is something that I think that we have to understand as, a, as young people trying to live for God. So here's some other Scripture references that you can read later. We're not going to really go into much detail of the Scripture because there's a little bit too much to cover. But I want you to write these references down if you're taking notes. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13-18 and Matthew chapter 24 and Luke chapter 17. That's where these, this story is found. Not story, but this doctrine is, is pulled from. That we believe in the resurrection of the dead. Now, so 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and it just talks about all the different uh, aspects of the philosophical kind of why the dead, dead will rise, that Jesus rose from the dead as the first fruits of how we are going to rise from the dead and all this, this stuff. And, it's, and so I'll, if you want to reread it, that would be good. I mentioned it out there, but verse 19 says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Meaning that that's why we come to church. Because if the dead do not rise, then there is no point to be a Christian. You might as well, Paul said, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die. 
So without this doctrine in your heart, right, where you understand it and you live it and you really grasp it, it's going to be very difficult to convince you to live for God. Because why not do whatever you want to do? Why not drink, party, have fun, don't listen to teachers, skip school, you know, watch TV all the time. Why be a part of something bigger than yourself if the dead rise not? If we only have hope in Christ in this life, we are of all men most miserable, right? We, we spend all our time at church, right? We, we do all this weird stuff. We, 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 we don't watch certain things and we don't go certain places and all this just limitations on life. And if, and if, we do ne- if we're never going to rise from the dead, then it's pointless is what he was saying. Then there is no point. But that's not the case because everyone will rise from the dead. Everybody will rise from the dead. Everyone. Whether you live for God or not, you will rise, you will come out of the grave. And the person that you have been throughout your life is the person that you will be when you rise from the dead. And that person will stand before God with their heart open and bear before Him and He will see every thought and everything that you've done in secret. It will be known. And so in the, in the books that I gave you in Matthew 24 and Luke chapter 17, Jesus gives examples from the Old Testament of what His coming or the resurrection of the dead will look like. He said it will be like in the times of Noah when people are just living their life and they're oblivious that there is a God and that they do not care that there is judgment coming. right? And they just do not even have any notion that there could ever come a day when their soul will be required of them. And so while they are partying, Noah is building an ark. Jesus made this example, not me. That while they are just marrying and giving in marriage and going to baby showers and just doing all the things that people in life do, that there is something coming that they do not see it. But if they would have known it, then they would have made a different decision. Jesus also gives another example of someone that is watching the house. Of someone, he calls it a goodman of the house, or a house sitter, or someone that is managing a large home. And that they do not know that the boss is coming back. How many have ever worked a job before? Okay, good. How many have seen employees, I'm not going to ask if you've been these employees, but how many have seen employees work differently when the boss isn't looking? Yeah, right? You've seen them do different stuff when the boss is not there. How many have ever seen an employee get caught when the boss walks up unexpectedly and they are, you know, Snapchatting on the forklift instead of driving the forklift, right? Or they're taking a selfie by the chips when they should be stocking the shelves, right? And what happens? Most people, now there may be some that do it in front of the boss on purpose. Maybe they want to get fired away. I'm not talking about those people, but most people, if they knew the boss was watching, what would they have done? 
they would have done their job. They would have behaved differently. And so Jesus gives this example for His coming, for the resurrection of the dead, for when He comes back. He says it was like the goodman or the servant or the manager of the home thought that the boss was not returning. So he started mistreating the servants and hitting them and eating up all the food and using all the stuff for himself. And then the boss comes back unexpectedly because if he would have known when he was coming back, he would have got his act together sooner. Now hold on now. I want you to listen. Because Jesus said, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. That it will not be announced when your soul will be required of you. Jesus will not give you advance warning that He's coming back and that it's the end of time. But it will be. It will be as a thief cometh in the night, the Bible says. It will be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that we read said that it will be in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Now here's... I'm going to get very practical with you here. Because this is where we draw the doctrine of the rapture of the church. This portion of Scripture and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 13 through 17. Because on the second coming of Jesus, when He comes again, now He came the first time. And Brother Tyler, when He came, everybody missed it. There was only a few people that actually thought that He was coming. There were only a few people that were ready and were waiting for Him. There was just a select few. And He said that when He comes back, it will be a lot the same. There will be some that are watching, but there will be some that miss it. There will be some that have no idea that He is coming. So, this is where we draw this doctrine. Is that any moment, that Jesus could return. And those who are ready for His return, the Bible says, will be caught up to meet Him in the air. Those who are watching for Him, those who are ready for His return, will be caught up and forever be with the Lord. But those who are not ready those who are not watching, those who think that He is not coming back, those who have been distracted with the everyday aspects of life, they will not be taken up. So we begin to extrapolate this doctrine of that Jesus could come back at any moment. And it is a psychological thing, I believe, that God does to encourage us to live for Him. Because He knows that if He just allows us to have an infinite amount of time, that chances are we will get distracted. But if we feel the urgency 
that He could come back at any moment. There is a fire to our prayer. And there is a fire to our church attendance. And there is a fire to what we are watching and what we are living. Because God could come back at any moment. And so when you're in your room at night and you flip on the YouTube channel and you start going to things that you shouldn't do, you are not watching for Him to come. You are hoping that He does not come. Just like you are hoping that mom and dad do not walk in the room. And you are hoping that Brother Isaacson is not looking over your shoulder. But Jesus is looking over your shoulder. And He could come and this very night your soul could be required of you. I feel a burden in my spirit because you cannot live without this burden in your heart. You cannot do it. You cannot get there. Because at any moment, at any moment, your soul could be required of you. The Bible, Jesus said there will be two plowing in a field and one will be taken and another will be left. There will be two sleeping in the same bed and one will be taken and another left. Because there will be some that are watching and there will be some that are not watching. There will be some that are ready and there will be some that are not. And I'm telling you that this attitude, this position in your heart and in your life is key. I'm not trying to scare anybody. I don't want you to live in fear because God desires for you to be saved. God's not waiting on you to make one mistake and then bring and then come back so that you will be lost when you have a desire to live for Him. But the Bible does warn that there will be many, many people who are not even looking who are not even thinking, who don't even let it, let it enter their mind that He's coming back. That live as if it, all there is is this life. That live, and young people are the most guilty of it because you don't even fear your own death. Older people start to realize that their time is short. right, And so they wise up and they start making better decisions. But you think that you've got an, an infinite amount of time ahead of you. But you don't. And in fact, your life could be required of you at any moment. But more than just your life, God could wrap this thing up at any moment. He could come back. And nobody thought He was coming the first time. They missed it. There were just a handful of people. They thought they were looking for something else. But He said, I'm going to come back for a bride that is waiting for Me. I'm going to come back for a people that are ready. There's another story that Jesus tells about the five wise and the five foolish virgins. That is an illustration of the second coming of the Lord, of the rapture of the church. They go out and they take their, their lamps and they take oil and they're waiting in the street. And here's the, here's the custom. right? The custom was that you would wait for the wedding party to pass by you with the groom. And he was walking to the marriage. And you would go to this massive dinner before the wedding would happen. It's not like we do weddings today. So they are waiting. They are young ladies that are waiting to go to the dinner. And they are waiting in the street because they don't know where the dinner is located. They have to follow the bridegroom to get to the dinner. They have to follow the wedding processional. So their only job, Brother Caleb, was to wait. 
Their only job was to be ready. Their only job was to just stand there and wait for Him to come and to be in their spot when He came by and to lead them to the supper. And five of them prepared themselves. And they brought lamps and they brought oil in their lamps because perhaps He would come in the middle of the night. They called them wise. Now the others they called foolish because they did not prepare their lamps. The Bible says they had them, but they were not prepared. They did not have oil. They could not burn. So they just banked on Him coming at a certain time during the day. I don't know what all of it means. It's kind of left up to us to bring our own interpretation, but what I can say is that they were not ready. They were foolish in that they thought they understood the ways that He was going to come and that it was going to be this way. And they did not, were not willing to watch for Him. They said they all fell asleep, all of them. And then they heard the cry of the bridegroom and they woke up in the middle of the night and the five wise who had prepared themselves trimmed their lamps and put the oil in and lit the oil and there they are ready. And, and the five foolish have no light to see when the bridegroom is coming. And they said, can you share with me? Can you help me in this time? They cried out, but then it was too late. Do you understand that there will be a time when you want to be in church? There will be a time when the Lord comes back that you will wish one more for one more HYC. You will wish for one more Wednesday night. You will wish for one more Sunday night when you could go to an altar and you could get prepared and you could make things right. But there will be a time when things are too late. There will be a time when you cannot get into the doors of the church. And even if you could, it will not matter because the altar will be dry. Because the oil will have dried up. Because the season of God pouring out His Spirit will end. Because He's come back for those who were ready. Not for those who were afraid, Brother Caleb. Not for those who He cried out and said, hey, you don't want the alternative. And then everybody scrambled and put down all the stuff that they were already doing. No, He was wanting the people that were ready and that were waiting and saying, I've been watching for this. I've been looking forward to this. I have desired to live with you. Not the people that finally dropped the football equipment, finally dropped the video game controller, finally dropped the Snapchat, finally dropped the Instagram, finally dropped that and said, okay, since I've got to go to hell, I'm going to worship the Lord. He's coming back for somebody that's going to listen for His coming. going to listen for His coming. That's who He's coming back for. And so, and so they, the, the, five, the five foolish, they ran off to go find some oil. They ran off trying to get something in their life that could help them finally make it. And they scrambled and they scrambled and they maybe found something, but they made it to the door. But the gate was closed. They found their way in the darkness and and they started beating on the door and they said, let us in. 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 And the guard at the door said, I can't see your face. You have no light. I don't even know if you belong here. You are cast out into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. It was too late. It was too late. There can be a time when it is too late. Jesus gave that example of Noah. And when the the Lord sealed the door to Noah's ark, and the waters came, people who had been so distant from God, 
All of a sudden, when the waters came and the floods began to rise, and they had mocked Noah, they ran to the door, and they beat on the door. And Noah said, I cannot open it, for the Lord has sealed it. And they beat on the door. Let us in. Let us in. Let us in. And the Lord had sealed the door because the time of repentance had already closed. Because God was not looking to hold an axe over somebody's head and force you to convert. There are religions that do that, but that's not this religion. That's not Christianity. God is looking for people who are willing vessels. People who are ready. When there's not an axe hanging over your head, when you have other decisions, He wants you to choose Him. And if you think that you can wait until there are no more options before you choose Him, that's going to be too late. I'm going to do everything I want to do up until Judgment Day. It's too late, my friend. It's too late because there is this doctrine. And I've given you the verses and you can read it for yourself. It is very clear. And Matthew 24 and Luke 17 are written in red because they are the words of Jesus. So don't buy the lie that Jesus came just to preach love and tolerance. He came to bring the sword. He said, I came to bring division. I came to tell you about the end. That when the end comes, you need to watch. You need to be ready. Because I could come at any moment and there will be people that miss it. There will be people who have been so distracted There have been people that do not desire me until it is too late. Until Until that judgment is right there and then they wilt in my presence. And every knee, the Bible says, will bow. But there are some that have an opportunity to bow their knee when He is just the meek and mild Savior dying on the cross saying, I love you. And if you do not bow your knee at that moment and be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost and rise again at His coming, there will be another resurrection. And it will be the people that do not have the quickening spirit. The people who would not bow their knee at the servant who was willing to wash their feet. Who was willing to bind their wounds. Who was willing to touch them. They were not interested in that Savior. But they will be interested in a God that sits on a throne of judgment. They will be interested in a God that opens up the book and sees every thought and every detail of your life. And every time you were selfish. And every time you had a bad attitude. And every time you had that thing that you thought nobody saw. And you did it in secret. And there it will be in the book without the blood of Jesus covering it up and the book will be opened and the page will be turned to your name and that's when your knee will bow but it will not be because you have been forgiven it will not be because you feel the love of God it was because you feel the judgment because you are in the presence of a holy God and you will understand how little and insignificant and selfish and foolish you have been to neglect the Bible says so great a salvation and you will remember every altar call. You will remember every HYC that you sat there and that you texted and that you talked and that will come back and play through your mind and you will beg and you will plead and the Lord will say, I was begging and I was pleading and you ignored me and you did stuff that you shouldn't have done and you put me aside and you skipped church and you sat on the back row and you goofed off and you danced at altar calls and you just goofed around and I was begging and I was pleading with you to come to me so I'm not going to hear your pleas I'm not going to turn my ear deaf to you because I was pleading and you turned your ear deaf to me you would not let my will be done so now thy will be done 
into outer darkness where you never have to worry about my mercy ever again. You never have to worry about my love ever again. There will never be another preacher that comes along. There will never be another camp. Don't worry. You don't have to sit through any more sermons. But you will go to your Father who is the devil because that's where you gave your time. That's where you gave your allegiance. So now you can live with Him in eternity instead of me. Because I begged you. I went so far as to die for you. I bled for you. And you ignored me. And you ignored me. It will be too late in that moment. It will be too late in that moment. And I carry this weight because when I watch you not giving God your all, I think, oh God, don't come. Because they're not ready. And I think, oh God, let them get it. Let them feel the weight of that. Let them come to an altar and repent. Let them have a desire for you. Why now while it's still time? While there's a window. While there's a space for grace. While repentance is open. While the gift of the Holy Ghost is still being poured out. Because there will be a day. Lord, just let me feel Your Spirit one more time. And it will be gone. And it will be gone. Because there is a second coming. And there is a resurrection from the dead. There is the dead will rise again. Every one of them. And don't believe the lie that thinks you can just live any way you want. And when you die, you just go back to dust. Because every living soul will rise from the dead. That's what 1 Corinthians teaches us. That's what's kind of unique to 1 Corinthians. Verse 15. Every living person will rise from the dead. That's what I'm preaching today. Your resurrection. And I meant to teach. I really did, but I just burning in my heart. Your resurrection. You will rise from the dead. And it's up to you as to whether you rise victorious in the power of the Spirit. When the, when the, the Bible talks about the sound of the trumpet... The trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ shall rise first and then we which are alive and remain. 1 Thessalonians 4 shall be caught up together to meet Him in the air. But then those who are not caught up and those who do not have the quickening spirit, they will be risen and they will stand before God without the newness of life. And they will stand before God in judgment. They will stand before God in judgment. And it's not about the deeds that you have done. It's not about how righteous you are. Because nobody on that day is righteous enough. Nobody. Mother Teresa is not righteous enough. That's who everybody says did the most good work. Martin Luther King Jr. or Winston Churchill or any great hero from history is not righteous enough to stand on that day. There is only one man that was righteous enough to stand on that day and it was the man Jesus Christ. The human body of Jesus Christ. His life. And that's why you are baptized in Jesus' name. It's not just so you can be a part of Cornerstone Apostolic Church. It's so that you can take the name of the only righteous man to ever live so that on that day you are standing with His record. And the page is not flipped to your record, but the page is flipped 
to His record. And that record is clean. And that record has no spot or no blemish. And that's how you stand in the presence of a holy God. Is if you have His name called over you in baptism. If you have lived in covenant with Him and you have taken the free gift that He offers, the power of the Spirit to live according as God wants you to live, not as this world wants you to live, not as even you might want to live, but as God wants you to live. Why, Brother Dalton? Because the dead will live again. Because you will rise again. Your resurrection is a real thing. Will you be ready? Will you be ready? I want you to close your eyes. I know this was heavy for a Sunday morning and I I couldn't get away from it. I thought I was going to teach. But I I I want you to right now, I want you to think. I want you to ask yourself, if God came back right now, How's my relationship? How's my re- I want you to think about that. Nobody looking around. I want you to think about that. How's my relationship? How's my relationship? If God came back today, in this moment, because He could. If, God, if my soul was required of me right now, where would I go? Where would I stand on Judgment Day? What would my record look like? If the book of my life were opened up, If the Lamb's book of life was cracked open, would my name be in it? I want you to just think about that right now. Come on, there's some that are already praying, but I want you to think about that. And if if you are not where you need to be with God, if you are not where you need to be with God, I I want to encourage you to repent. I want to encourage you to pour out your heart. Sooner the better. I want you to pour out your heart. I want you to say, God, help me to take the gift that you have given to bring the oil with me to be prepared against the day of judgment. Lord, I pray right now for these young people. God, I pray, Lord, that you would begin to touch them and that you would begin to help them. Lord, because you right now, you desire to bless them. You you are, God, the suffering servant. God, you are the meek and humble servant, God, that desires to wash and to cleanse us and to heal our wounds and to bring us into your kingdom and to bring us into your home and to bring us into your life and to love us, God. But you will not always be that to us. You will not always be that to us, God. We understand that there will come a time, an end of time, when You will be judged. When You will be a righteous judge. And God, when we will fall short if we do not have Your blood on our life. So God, I pray right now for these young people. God, I pray, Lord, that they would begin to pour out their life. I pray, Lord God, that they would begin to seek after You, God, that we will no longer be a youth group, God, that does not take Your calling seriously, that does not take Your Word seriously, that does not take prayer seriously, that does not take church attendance seriously, that does not take living for You in holiness and righteousness seriously, that does not take everything that this book says literally. Help us, God, Lord, to get this in our heart, God, to have a desire, to have a hunger, 
hunger for you, Lord. Help us, God, Lord, to, while you are reaching out, help us, God, to take a hold of that mercy. Help us, God, to take a hold of that grace. Help us, Lord. Lord, I pray for every one of our young people. I pray, God, that this message would rest in their life and that they would live with an awareness of what is at stake every day. Not to live in fear, not to live in anxiety, but to live in relationship with You. I pray that You would help them and that You would touch them in Jesus' name. My goal is not, is not to scare you. But if I believe this, which I do, because it's in the Bible, then I have to teach it. And I have to preach it. Or I will stand accountable because I never said it. I will stand accountable for what I did not say as well as what I did say. So we can't just pretend that youth group is just about kind of having a good little life. Although I do believe that living for God is the best life you can have. Don't get me wrong. But even if you have to walk through every kind of hardship and every kind of pain and you have to take abuse and you have to suffer things and you have to go through ridicule and people make fun of you, you will be so thankful on that day when the trumpet sounds. And you, there will come something alive in your spirit that will quicken your mortal body. And you will rise from the dead. And you will forever be with the Lord. On that day, it will, the old song said, it will be worth it all. It will be worth it all. Because you understand this is the only thing in life that will follow you into eternity. Your business, your money, your career, your sports talent, your beauty, your whatever will not follow you into eternity. But your spirit, your soul will follow you into eternity. That's why you better take, that's why you better take account of what's going on in your soul. So that's my challenge to you this week. My challenge to you. I understand there's a lot of distractions. I understand there's a lot of things. I understand that there's a lot of stuff that you could do. But you please hear me. Take time for your soul. Take time for your soul. Alright? God bless you. We're going to stay in here except for the quizzers. You're going to slip out quietly and go get ready for this afternoon. Everyone else stay in here quietly. Quietly. Oh my god. Oh my god. I'll be right back. I don't know the passcode, so it's still recording. Oh, okay. <laughs>